Welcome to Prince Track by Track presents Stevie Wonder Classics. Today we're going to be talking about the opening track from Innovisions, which of course is Too High. Uh, released on the 3rd of August 1973. Uh, on the track we've got Stevie Wonder playing his usual setup, which is uh, piano, harmonica, drums, moog bass, Fender Rhodes, uh, you know, all the normal stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, returning from the previous album, we have Lanny Groves and Jim Gilstrup on background vocals, and then we also have Tasha Thompson. Uh, the track is four minutes 36 and joining me to talk about today is Zachary Hoskins. Hello, Zachary. Hey. Um, yeah, so this is, I guess, uh, I mean, depends how people count it, but either the second or third in the run of classic albums. Um, I'm obviously counting it as the fourth uh, right. because I, you know, I, I, I count everything that Stevie did by himself basically as as kind of this this kind of classic album run. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, as with um, uh, Talking Book, you know, won uh, the Grammy for Album of the Year. Uh, this also won Best Engineering Non-Classical Recording um, for uh, Robert Margaluf and uh, Malcolm Cecil, who obviously had ensconced themselves with Stevie Wonder uh, due to the fact that they owned the Tonto. Um, and given the fact that the Tonto was, I don't know, like a ton and a half, uh, there was no way that they could move that Tonto anywhere <laughs> without, <laughs> um, without significant kind of... So, you know, they were pretty much kind of around for most of this album Although it should note that Stevie Wonder's use of the Tonto kind of, um, like from the previous album to this album, it kind of it went down quite a bit. It's only showing up on three tracks here, whereas I think it was on something like six tracks on the previous album. Um, and it only appears on a couple of out- tracks on uh, Fulfillingness. And then, of course, after Fulfillingness, um, Stevie decides to go in a different direction and gets himself a Yamaha GX1 and he doesn't use the Tonto anymore. <laughs> um but, you know, the kind of the engineering that they did, they, you know, it wasn't just the tracks that were using the Tonto that they, they were kind of producing. They produced the whole album with Stevie. Um, and, you know, the like in terms of like the kind of theme, uh, I think, you know, this is another time where it's like kind of the tracks really make sense as an album. Um, you know, the I mean, Stevie, obviously, uh, you know, the last album, I think Talking Book is so kind of well put together as an album. Um, you know, the kind of sequence in the 10 tracks is, is really kind of um, is kind of perfect. And I think he kind of achieves that again here. Like, you know, this kind of just like the kind of track order is so perfect. You know, when the, the way each song goes from the ne- from one song to the next um, is so kind of well put together. Um, you know, Golden Lady coming after Living for the City and then going mm. from Golden Lady to Higher Ground and then from Higher Ground to Jesus' Children and then, you know, to All is Fair and, and then from, you know, that to Don't Worry About a Thing and then finishing off with... I mean, it's such a perfect track list and it's kind of insane. Um, you know, not just that they're nine brilliant songs, but that Stevie's managed to kind of put them in this order that just feels like every time you listen to the album, it's like, oh yeah, this makes sense as an album. And I think the same is true of Talking Book. And the next album as well. Like, it's just it, like, that's the thing that I think I, I don't know that people would kind of really appreciate it today. But, you know, not only was Stevie Wonder, you know, playing the drums on everything, doing the vocals, doing the background vocals, playing the moog bass, you know, like not only was he doing all of that, but then in addition to them producing the album, he's then also sequencing the album. Right. And I think it's, you know, something of kind of a lost art, but it's just so this entire album, it's just like nine tracks that each time, you know, each time you listen I'm guessing most people, when they start listening to to Too High, you're like, well, 
you know, I'm going to have to listen to Visions now, and then, <laughs> and then after, and then, and then you, you know, you find yourself like 40, 40 minutes later having listened to basically the entire album in order, and it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of amazing how Stevie was able to do that. Right. Yeah. It's a. This is a. It, it's a tight. You know, it's a single. It, it's a single disc album. It's not especially long, but it has this kind of expansiveness to it. Um, it's one of those. It's one of those single disc albums that almost feel like. A double album and not not in the sense that it's you know tedious and long to get through but just in the sense of the kind of scope of 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 the record it's uh it's very impressive and i mean you know it earned the grammy for album of the year um i don't know that i could tell you other albums that released in 73 that were probably eligible for it um but you know it just it just feels like you know it like it's obviously Stevie's kind of on this amazing run in the seventies, um, you know, where like pretty much every album, um, you know, is is. I mean, the fact that like you know you have Inner Visions and then you have Fulfillingness and then you know after that you have Songs in the Key of Life and he you know he wins three out of four years in a row, right. um, you know, and like I mean the other albums that were kind of uh, you know kind of um, that were released at the same time as this that were kind of nominated. Um, Behind Closed Doors by Charlie Rich. Can't say I, I particularly um, <laughs> know about that album. Uh, the Divine Miss M by Bette Midler, which is, you know, it's not a bad effort, but I don't think it's in the same league as Innovisions. Right, um, right. Killing Me Softly by Roberta Flack. Again, you know, it's a solid album, but I, I don't think it's kind of on the same level as Innovisions. Um, and then uh, there goes Rhyming Simon. Mm. Which you know, I think is it's an okay, that's an okay Paul Simon album, but I think there's you know he puts out stronger efforts. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. I don't really uh, know if anybody was on in nineteen. I mean, 1973 was you know not not the greatest year for 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 popular music. It was it was a little bit of a kind of kind of there's sort of like between between important, you know, uh, movements in, in, in popular music, you know, the psychedelic, uh, album rock thing had kind of died down the, uh, the, you know, Motown, uh, late Motown Renaissance that Stevie Wonder was of course a part of, and Marvin Gaye was a part of, uh, had kind of that it, it was no longer that wasn't the the wave anymore and um obviously we're still a few years out from punk and uh and disco and new wave and all of those things that would kind of energize music uh later in the decade i, I feel like the mid 70s are a little bit of a of a doldrums period uh but so i i don't know if anyone was really on stevie wonder's level he kind of had the field all to himself and he continued but you know these are these are albums that could that could compete with uh even in a more exciting year the this would still probably be the best album released in that year yeah yeah and i think obviously it's kind of notable that you know uh bridge over troubled water had won uh the grammy uh of the year in 71 um mm. and then obviously paul simon would win uh, you know in the off year that stevie wonder didn't release an album for still crazy after all these years and then of course you know it takes him until graceland to win grammy of the year again so it took paul simon like almost like 15 years to achieve <laughs> what stevie wonder did in four so you know and i would say in the 70s you know Probably, I mean, Carol King won as well, um, you know, for for Tapestry, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, Fleetwood Mac would win for Rumors. You know, those are obviously kind of very good albums. 
Um, but I don't know, you know, like looking through all the nominees, it's kind of like, hmm, you know, there's a lot of Elton John, there's a lot of James Taylor, there's yeah. a lot of Crosby, Stills and Nash. <laughs> for some reason, Blood, Sweat and Tears won, won the album for their kind of like their self-titled album in, in 1970. So it's like, oh, okay, this is a, this is a weird decade. Right. Um, but yeah, it's funny because, you know, most people generally agree that 1973 is one of the worst years for popular music. Um, so yeah, Stevie kind of putting out an album that is this great. But like you say, he could have put this album out, I mean, 10 years earlier or 10 years later, and it would still be pretty much everything that was out there. Right. Um, you know, it's just kind of remarkable how good Innovisions was. Um, and I think also kind of, I mean, the thing that people kind of remember from Innovisions is the fact that, you know, almost immediately after its release, um, Stevie Wonder was in a um, uh, was in a, a car accident. Um, and, uh, you know, he like uh, he basically a, a kind of truck like stopped abruptly in front of, of the car that he was in. Um, and, uh, you know, like uh, basically he got hit in the head with a log, mm. which is kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, and he was in a coma for like four days. Um, and, you know, he had like a number of people kind of, you know, going by his room and, uh, you know, like eventually, like when he came out of the coma, um, you know, apparently they had brought him a keyboard and he kind of like stared at it for a while and then eventually he started playing it and then they kind of knew that everything was okay. Mm. Um, and, you know, he had been scheduled to do a, a kind of tour um, and they postponed it, um, you know, but he, he still kind of ended up making some of the dates. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting because obviously uh, because of that car crash, people kind of confuse Higher Ground as being released after it. Right. Uh, but obviously the the themes of higher ground kind of fit with, you know, some of the stuff that he's kind of said after the car crash. Um, and I guess it kind of just ended up kind of, um, you know, making him feel very kind of appreciative. But at the same time, the next album is very kind of introspective. And I think the kind of the car crash has like a, a big influence on that. Um, but, you know, it's just everyone. I think everyone's just grateful that he kind of survived and, you know, went on to make like two more album of the year kind of <laughs> records yeah. like you know yeah, he, wouldn't that have been bizarre if he if you know if if this was the end of of stevie wonder like that's it, it it's it's uh it's so strange to imagine a world where you know songs in the key of life doesn't exist and i think the thing is like even if this had been his final album even if you know so he'd come out of the, the kind of coma and he hadn't been able to play again this would have been like you know a fitting kind of like finish to his career like like you could finish your career here and be like yeah that that was a great career like and yet <laughs> right. he still went on to make two more kind of groundbreaking albums after this right um so it's it's kind of, it's kind of interesting that he like he, he didn't like this isn't where it ends but if it had been I, I think people would have been like yeah stevie wonder was a genius and this is a this is a perfectly good kind of end point for the career uh, but the fact that he still kind of goes on and and does kind of you know, uh, like even more kind of great work after this um, is is kind of uh, is kind of amazing. But like everything on this album is so good. Um, it's you know, it, as I think people will kind of you know end up becoming familiar. It's very hard for me to grade stuff on these yeah. albums. Um, you know, like it just like everything is so good that you you kind of you know it it just kind of becomes so hard to kind of say anything less than five out of five for, right. for pretty much every track on here like this is such a perfectly put together album um i don't think there's any there's no tracks on this album where you're like oh no we could you know you could have lost this track or you know you could you could get rid of this track and, it, and the album would have been better i think every track on here is is kind of deserving of its place on this album and it's you know it's it's a remarkable achievement you know even if this wasn't like 
you know, the second of a run of classic albums. <laughs> you know, like even if this was just an album by itself, it's an amazing achievement. But the fact that Stevie Wonder only goes on to kind of get better from here uh, is still kind of amazing. Um, you know, and then I, I don't know, like uh, obviously, like also this is like an album that kind of talks about various themes. And I think, you know, starting with Too High, uh, you know, we, we immediately start off with an album that is about, you know, a, like this track is about a serious theme um, that maybe up until this point, Stevie Wonder kind of hadn't tackled, you know, most most of the stuff that he's kind of done has been, you know, about either love ballads or the occasional kind of social commentary. Um, but, you know, for this album, he really kind of starts to dig into the social commentary stuff. Uh, and this is like the first kind of song where he does it. Obviously, calling it too high is not the most subtle of... Yeah. Um, starts, you know, <laughs> like, um, and the fact that when he sit, when he starts out the song and he starts with the chorus, uh, which you know, of course, is a classic Stevie Wonder kind of touch. Um, the fact that he starts singing, "I'm too high, I'm too high, but I ain't touched the sky." Like, but he's got his voice has obviously got this kind of phase effect on it. Um, it's obviously meant to be somebody who is high, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> you know, uh, get it's not the most subtle kind of thing that he's ever done, but I still kind of. Like there's every, there's bits in this song that are so kind of great that it's you can kind of overlook the kind of slightly hokey social commentary stuff um, <laughs> that he's doing, um, and also it's worth bearing in mind as well he's he's what twenty three when he's doing this album, <laughs> like, right? You know, uh, maybe twenty four. Like it's kind of, it's kind of amazing that like you know that, that this is like someone who is this young and he he's he's kind of doing this type of album. And it's I don't know. It's kind of amazing. Um, you know, but I, I like the chorus is probably the most obvious thing on here. Um, you know, I kind of like I like the the fact that the verses are a little bit more kind of disjointed, and uh, I guess that they're, they're trying to kind of I don't know it's still some of the stuff still is a little bit hokey. Um, you know, when when he says you know she's a girl in a dream, she sees a four eyed cartoon monster on the TV screen. <laughs> she takes another puff and say it's a crazy scene that red <laughs> is green and she's a tangerine like. It feels like the most kind of like cliched kind of like um, kind of like drug references. Uh, but at the same time, the way that Stevie is kind of singing it, I don't know. It's like you can kind of overlook the kind of the almost I would I wouldn't say shallow lyrics, but they're just they're not really kind of digging down into stuff too much. It's just like him saying, well, look, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do some serious political commentary here. But at the same time, it's like a little kind of naive. Right. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> I was kind of doing some googling to see what drug this song is about and it seems like the general consensus is that Stevie Wonder was pretty anti-drug in general. I guess there's this story that he tried smoking pot once and like hated it. He felt like, you know, I think he said something like part of his it felt like part of his brain was missing. Um, which is interesting because reading this verse, I'm like, this sounds like it, this sounds like PCP or something. Like, you know, you don't, you don't. Uh, I'm I'm not a uh, I'm I'm not a, a very experienced drug user, but I, marijuana does not usually, uh, you know, make you think that you're a tangerine or or see cartoon monsters or you know, it's a it's a, a fairly. Uh, subtle effect compared to what he's describing here um but it just this just seems to be a general anti-drug sentiment like i i i don't know if he's uh if he's being specific uh <laughs> yeah and i mean like the kind of the following verse is le- is less kind of like hokey and kind of in fact like the next kind of couple of verses are less kind of hokey and about like 
um, you know, like the specific effects of drugs, which I think you're always onto a loser if you're attempting to describe, um, you know, the effects of drugs. Like it's, you know, it's never, ever going to seem, you know, unless you're like William S. Burroughs. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, like there's no there's no point trying to particularly in like a, you know, like a four minute pop song. There's no there's no real way that you it, this is ever going to be that effective. Um, you know, so in the kind of second and third verse, he, you know, he says she's she's a girl in her life, but the world's a superficial paradise. Um, I like how he gets that to rhyme with life as well. Uh, she had no chance. She she had a chance to make it big more once the ties, uh, but no dice. She wasn't very nice. Which <laughs> it, feel, it feels like kind of like um, okay, um, but I guess what he's saying is you know because of her whatever her habit is, uh, but like you say, the the first verse makes it sound like she's I don't know crossing. Uh, like crack cocaine with PCP, yeah, like right. it, just, it sounds like there's something that she's kind of very like. He's basically saying that that has led to her, you know, kind of uh, feeling like she's happy. You know, this kind of superficial paradise. Um, but she, you know, she's not going to be able to make anything else with her life other than taking drugs. Right. Um, you know, which kind of fits with you know the what eventually became like the prevailing thing in the eighties of the you know just say no and all that kind of stuff and the you know the gradual ramping up of the the drug war mm-hmm. um and then you know he kind of <laughs> he takes a turn and he says she's a girl of the past i guess uh that i got to her at last uh did you hear the news about the girl today she passed away what did her friend say <laughs> so it's like okay i guess she like immediately she's kind of like dead and right. in the chorus he changed you know i'm too high to i'm so high i feel like i'm about to die right um you know and of course you know we we get a classic kind of stevie wonder harmonica kind of solo um and that kind of, as the as the song kind of like outros it kind of turns more into like a, a bit of a kind of jam and mm. there's kind of you know the kind of the rasping kind of like harmonica thing that he keeps kind of putting in there um, and there's some like hand claps and there's, you know, various little kind of like vocalizations and stuff that he's doing. Um, and I, I like I mean, the one thing I love about this song more than anything else, because I think that obviously I, I you know, I admire the attempt to kind of capitalize on some kind of social commentary and stuff. You know, Stevie Wonder, obviously, at this point is, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of prominent voice in the black communities. And, you know, obviously the, you know, the, the drug wars and, and all the kind of uh, fallout from that, you know, impacts the black community more than any other community uh, particularly in the 70s so you know i can understand why he's attempting to take a stance against um you know kind of uh, you know people taking drugs and stuff uh, but what i really love about this is the little kind of the do do do's like the harmonies that mm-hmm. they have and i just kind of love those and how they kind of slow down and i, I don't know all the harmony stuff is, is kind of the stuff that i really love in this song like the verses and the chorus i can kind of leave but all that harmony stuff is so beautiful and it's so kind of like fun and you know just kind of the interaction with the harmonica and everything and it's just like just those little kind of like like the kind of harmony vocalizations with stevie and you know and the kind of lenny and tasha and jim it's just i don't know it's just that's the kind of part of the song that i love a lot and i do like the kind of harmonica solo in there as well like all of that's really good and also the production like the you know the use of the fen the the fender roads you know i'm a fan of the the roads on pretty much anything (laughs) um but i just love the kind of the way it sounds in this song um and also the kind of the the what the kind of vocal effects when he's singing too high you know like I, I like that as well but the kind of the fact that this girl like takes drugs and sees monsters and then kind of <laughs> you know loses all her kind of opportunities and then dies within the space of three verses it, feels it does like feel it's kind very of... like uh you know dare to keep oh, actually did uh, that that might be a that might be an american 
uh, reference. Are you are you familiar with with D A R E? The uh, I am I am familiar uh, with it mainly yeah. through other pop culture, but yeah, yeah, it feels very much uh, like a uh, or or like an after school special. It's 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 that it's that level of like anti drug uh, you know messaging, but. I think that I think that more so than the lyrics, I I think that this song, the way you know, like you're describing the the kind of sort of jazzy vocals and um, you know the effects that he puts on his voice and um, that kind of strange um, the the keyboards have this sort of uh, it, it muffled um, kind of like. Uh, gurgling effect you know it's like it's it, it, it's just a it's just a weird sounding song and i think that does a better job of telling this like scary drug story than the than the lyrics do you know this is a song that feels it feels too high it feels sort of detached and um you know like you're like you're floating a little bit and there's and it's and it's euphoric but it's also um it, it, it's also a little uh a little sinister sounding. And I think um, the, the music tells that story better than these sort of after school special lyrics do. And then of course, as it gets to the end of the song, it kind of slows down and Mm -hmm. it says, you know, too high. And then, you know, Stevie says, can't hang around anyway. And that's kind of, the song kind of slows down to a stop, Um, which is kind which is kind of interesting because, you know, at this time Stevie was doing a lot of kind of like fade outs and stuff. Uh, so it's interesting that he kind of chose this song to kind of finish because it feels like maybe that's kind of like the end of like, you know, whatever the, the drug high is that kind of is going through this song. Maybe the end of the high is just this kind of slowing down and then right. we stop. It's a come down. Um, yeah, it's I, I yeah. was just going to say it's sort of ironic that this this song is, um, you know, it's she she smokes presumably weed and then dies. <laughs> but if you think if you think about um, I mean, look at the cover of Intervisions. It's a, it's a, it's a, listen to the music. Uh, Intervisions is a gatefold on vinyl. Like how many joints were rolled on a copy of Intervisions? Uh, you know, like I, I'm, I'm positive that, uh, that this was a, a very popular album to, to smoke weed to. Um, so maybe not what Stevie had in mind, but I think it works. <laughs> the fact that the, the, the kind of the cover has this, this kind of cut out like Stevie Wonder with this kind of like the, the kind of the things shooting out of his lines and out of his eyes. And then you have like kind of this weird cut out background. And right. It, you it's know, very it looks, psychedelic imagery. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's kind of weird that he's then, you know, immediately like anti-drug. But then right. the thing is, obviously, with him, you know, with him being blind, um, you know, obviously drugs are going to act on his senses in a different way than they would for you know, people who were sighted. So I can maybe understand why, you know, maybe he did something once and he wasn't happy with the the result. Also, you know, Stevie Wonder strikes me as somebody who is very present and, Mm. you know, kind of like anything that takes away from that kind of immediacy would probably be something he wouldn't want. So, So I can understand why he would be like, you know let's let's not be doing drugs yeah and um, it's interesting to kind of go against the grain in 1973 i mean this is still we're still in the you know 60s youth culture counterculture which is very much tied up in in drugs and i think 
it was highly unusual for um, somebody who's part of that, who's part of that counterculture, like like Stevie Wonder was, to be making this kind of statement at at, at that point. Um, and, but but I mean, at the same time, the early '70s is when you're starting to see more and more the kind of uh, the negative effects of of the drug culture. You know, like maybe mid mid to late 60s you people were smoking pot or or dropping acid but by the end of the 60s you start seeing things like again pcp you know heroin becomes a problem um you know it 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 really was you could start seeing that or or you we'd been seeing the negative effects of that culture for a couple of years by 1973 and um, you look at somebody like Sly Stone, like what happened to him in the in the early seventies. I think those kind of cautionary tales were becoming more and more uh, prominent and um, and common. And um, so it, it it does sort of feel like the right kind of if the if the early seventies are sort of like the hangover of the sixties. This does this does seem like a timely a timely song for 1973. And I mean, if you just look at kind of in the previous few years, you know, like if you, if you think about like, um, uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and right. Jim Morrison, like they'd all died of, you know, like drug overdoses. Um, and I'm going to guess Stevie Wonder had probably, I don't know, met all three of those people. Pro- you know, he was reasonably famous in the sixties to be able to kind of work with people like that. So, you know, even if he didn't work with them, he was probably very aware of, um, you know, kind of th- their deaths, you know, th- th- all three of them, of course, dying before the age of 27 right. within this within the space of like nine months of each other. Um, so, like, I think that kind of thing would, you know, was also kind of present in his mind, like when kind of writing this song, like the fact that, you know, some of the, his contemporaries, you know, who were only a few years older than him, you know, were all dying of drug overdoses. And, you know, that's something that obviously would go on um you know for pretty much the rest of the 70s you know like particularly heroin overdoses it's kind of um you know all over the place in terms of you know like like for the rest of the 70s there are so many kind of people who died a lot of them before the age of 30 you know right. uh, from drugs and so i can understand why stevie wonder would want to take this kind of extremely anti-drug stance <laughs> although like you say it does it does feel like kind of out of step with probably what his fan base was doing at the time right um <laughs> So, well, if there's nothing else to say about this track, uh, let's go to plugs. So I am a writer. I, um, if, you've, if you've been listening to Darren's podcast, you've probably heard me on Prince Track by Track. My main project, I'm going through track by track, uh, Prince's, Prince's catalog. Right now I'm in sort of the, uh, you know, the, the classic era of, of, of Prince, um, very much like uh, Stevie Wonder's classic area, just, just this, this incredible period of productivity and um just extremely you know uh high quality music uh so it's a good time it's a good time to check out the blog uh you can find that on princesongs.org and for this project you can find us on twitter at stevie Wellman. thanks for being my guest here today zachary uh, thank you for having me and otherwise to goodbye